This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Hans. You, you, you really love that cup, huh? Do you take that, that cup to work with you? No. Well, yeah, I work at home. Yes. Oh yeah, okay. Yes, I, I do. This is gonna be uh, this is gonna be an interesting show because we're not going into it with a with an assigned topic tonight. Usually we do. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just think we we make it up as we go along. No, there is a a list of notes. There's a script that we do follow. A Bible. Yeah, I spent two days writing everything that I say on the on the show. A couple of days before we record this. So this is this is probably gonna be the first movies episode where we don't have a specific movie. And it's just movies in general or it's just movies it in general well yeah. you know it, what i really enjoy going on uh on a podcast having a, a set topic to discuss and having the anxiety of running out of things to say about it after 22 minutes so uh this will be the exact opposite occasion where we're just going to handle this like we do old boys where it's usually just you and i uh giving commentary and prodding kenny with questions and that tends to eat up more than enough time yeah but Kenny's not here, and Kenny is not going to be on the show with us for quite some time uh, because he's in a, an emotionally devastating, chaotic relationship with a woman, and she's got a boyfriend, and uh, he's got some girlfriends, and it's just a very complex, uh, polyamorous situation. Very new age. You live with her? He lives with all of them. Basically. They just live together in a house. Uh-huh. It's, like, it's like the TV show Big Brother. <laughs> Yeah, and he uh, he decided to get rid of his phone just so that she couldn't get a hold of him. So that's 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 great. It's always great a good good rational. Show, <laughs> yeah, it means yeah. Uh, better audio for old boys for the incoming two weeks or so that we're going to be recording that. Uh, yes, Kenny likes to do this thing where uh, instead of you know just hanging the phone up if he's having a you know aggressive conversation with his significant other, he'll just smash the phone. And so this is something that he's done time and time again, and now he has to wait until next Friday for that new phone to come in. Have you ever done that when you get angry? You just feel like the Incredible Hulk and you want to break it against a brick wall? No, when I was younger, I would break, uh, well, I broke one uh, controller, a video game controller, because I was bad at video games. But that was once, and I was a, I don't know, a preteen. I I don't know, maybe you should teach him what a power button is so that he can turn off his phone instead of smashing it if he doesn't want anyone to contact him, you know? I think I've... I I broke my phone one time (laughs) because I dropped it. It was devastating. I looked at it and I saw the the cracked glass. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life now. That was seven years ago, eight years ago. I could never do that again. Yeah, uh, I've broken a couple just drunk, which is why I don't drink and go out anymore. Because now if it falls in my house, it's not that big deal. But uh, uh, just coming out of a bar because I'm very clumsy. And it just, especially with iPhones, that is glass, right? Right. So it just just breaks and half of it is just fucked up. But I also didn't have enough money to get a new one. So I just had a cracked phone for like months. That's just that- had to deal with that. Hopefully not, you know, cut your ear or your fingers because <laughs> right. it's glass. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you just bleed but. during every phone call. It'd be good discipline. You yeah. won't do it again in the future. Uh, this is, I broke my phone when I, I was totally wasted. We were shooting uh, what was supposed to be uh, a stab at a first feature film. This was back in 2013 yeah. and 2014 with a, with a local comedian Pro- from Atlantic City. Breakfast. Something about a practice. Uh, something about breakfast. About breakfast. I love breakfast. We we decided uh, to go the to way, the VP's house. If, if you want to see that movie, by the way, you have to join our Patreon in the twenty dollar uh, tier, and that's how you you will be able to see. Uh, we're talking about practice, which is uh, Low Res's first feature film that was never released. Um, it was actually yeah, well. So. Hold on a second. It kind of was released. I put it up on YouTube in like a thirty minute version. And I literally just because I, I I was tinkering with it for literally about like four years almost, just revisiting it, trying to figure out if I could salvage what was about seventeen thousand dollars worth of credit that was spent on that piece of shit. I had never shot anything legitimately before, and even the camera we used was not. I mean, you can make anything work. Uh, Shane Carruth shot upstream color in ten eighty p using. Um, like a Canon, whatever. Anyway, so I always would try and revisit it, figure it out. I had all this footage. I had so much audio. I had ADR. It didn't work out. The best I could do at the time was 
a 36 minute version that I uploaded to YouTube when we were releasing sketches once a month or a couple of times a month. And I had to uh, make certain conveniences to missing parts of the, it was kind of like the fanatic, you know, when they're just filling in the gaps with drawings and shit. Uh, I just had an abrupt ending where um, the lead character is attacked in a cemetery and that was like an outtake. That was something else. That was going to be a visual gag. And it's just the ending. They, they're dead. Um, I don't think I ever saw it. I don't, think I, might, I, ever I, I don't know if it's still on YouTube. I'll, I'll send it to you, though, if so. And it's, uh, it's really bad. It's really amateur, of course. It's the first thing that I ever really shot. Um, but we were so in over our head. And I'll tell you what. The first round of shoots we did on that movie, which was like the bulk of the money, I put it on a a Western digital external hard drive and I just, it tapped the floor very briefly, uh, gently, as a matter of fact, as I was unplugging it and it was just on my lap. So it wasn't even that far of a drop. All the data was gone. Could not recover the data. It would have cost me 1600 bucks, 1600 bucks that I did not have when I was 23 years old. Yeah. To get the data back. Mm hmm. Why didn't you just take it to like some Indian and whatever? You I were did. Like, I, I was oh. living, I was living right in a very, <laughs> uh, very uh, Chinese Vietnamese part of Quincy, Massachusetts at that time. And I took it to the local computer shop and they said, listen, these are designed to fall apart like this. So you have to spend money on a new one uh, and also recover the data. And do, so we, we're not going to touch this. We can't do anything with this. You have to take it to a specialist. I sent it out to Dallas, Texas. I had to fly it overnight or whatever. And uh, that in Excel was like 50 bucks, 60 bucks, however much. And then they tell me, okay, yes, it'll be uh, $1,600 and we will get you something like 60% of the footage. So all the footage was gone. All I had was, because I had made out a Kickstarter video to try and get more money so we could go back and do shoots. Um, I put, put together a Kickstarter video I had to pull from that. And also there were some clips that I had cut that I was going to put up on YouTube for the Kickstarter and never did, but the vast majority was gone. And one of those instances was me and uh, an Atlantic city comedian, Mike Malkovich who was the star of this movie. Um, w- w- you know, all the resources were very limited. I didn't know how to use the camera at all. And uh, I met with this kid whose name was like Kevin or something. He was a big bulky doofus and uh he decided to help out pro bono for at least like four or five days of the shoot and he this kid had a very bad attitude i remember we went to burger king one day and i was you know i'm directing I, i'm not doing anything dp related at this point like i am today and i i go to him like listen you need to shoot in this burger king we're in the burger king how would you go about doing this when we, we you know obviously we got the radio playing here we're gonna have to figure out adr or something um, how would you go about covertly shooting this? And he he goes to me, he says to me, well, uh, I would have shown up at the Burger King first thing in the morning and said, hey, can we shoot here? And it's just like, you fucking piece of shit. You fucking cunt. How unproductive of a thing to say. You're just trying to fuck me over. You're trying to motherfuck me yeah. right now because we're here at 3 p.m. and there's a couple of people sitting. You fat tub of lard. So that I was very useless, through with yeah. that kid. Yes, completely useless. What dummy thinking? Like, oh, was, you're the expert he, on this set. Was he Mike's friend or he just No, 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 no. No, he was not Mike's friend. Everybody on that set had a bad attitude most of the, mo- most of that. Uh Mike's friend was another story. That's a that's another talk. But he did lend us Do you think Hold on, do you think they, they had a bad attitude because the director had no fucking idea what they were doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they didn't really trust the production that much? So I think that was a big part of it, sure. <laughs> uh, this this kid who was the DP, he was used to working on like 48-hour film festival movies. So like even still, he's not working on shit. That's fucking nothing. So, I mean, it, and, and at the end of the day, the, the only difference is he's running around with a smoother camera for those. And it's still cringe. Make no mistake, you do a sincere short film, it's going to be cringe. It's going to be bad. Unless you're Ridley Scott and you're just bored or something, or Darren Aronofsky, you're somebody who is well-established. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody wants to see a bunch of nobodies acting sincere within a six-minute span. Oh, someone had an abortion. Great. Don't care. Speaking of that, I got invited uh, to like a page on Facebook, like a a short film page, uh, this girl that I used to go to college with, like film school with, 
that I never really got along with because she was very, um, what's the word I can use so that it doesn't sound too mean? Um, she was too much. She had too much of a personality. So she, too wanted, much. She, she wanted everyone to like her and, and like she wanted to be on everyone's business and, whatnot, and I hate that shit. So we never really got that got along that well. And uh, I don't even have her as a friend on Facebook, I don't think. But somehow she found me and sent me an invitation for this short film. And then I started looking at her things and, and she has like 10 credits on IMDb, but they're all short films. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't feel bad because that means that I'm not the only one that's not doing anything yet with my career. But also I forgot that people do Kickstarters or Indiegogos for short films. And like how many of those are actually successful or make enough money? I guess you do it because you, you're able to get maybe a thousand or two thousand dollars from friends and family that you shame into giving you money. Yeah. But that that just seems to me like like such a dead model from 2016, maybe that it, it felt really weird to get that today. And I started looking at it and I was like, who's who's still making short films and, and doing like campaigns about that? Like who's giving money to that? Uh, well, the thing the the real model with that is and maybe why it works somewhat is if you go to Kickstarter, especially now, it's all activism short films. And that's kind of yeah. what it was before also. But you would have like a good even mix. And then eventually, I think the real movies got weeded out to Indiegogo. Indiegogo became a spot for funding documentaries and, and weird projects like that that just need a little bit more money, like Life Itself, the Roger Ebert documentary and uh, that one on it that's supposed to be coming out. But they scammed but I everybody. That, I think it's <laughs> I want the Patrice O'Neill one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's different. I think it's different when it's established person though, or someone with credits. Like the one that I was sent to. I mean, she's never gonna see it, so fuck it. But the one that I was sent to today, uh, it, it's like random lady writer director, and he's like, she's written whatever, and it's like nobody knows who she is. Like she doesn't have any credits directing or anything. And then my ex classmate uh, lists her her credits, and it's like. She's a multiple time winner of awards or whatever. And everything is just short film festivals or whatever, which they pretty much give those awards to anything that's not absolute shit. You know, like it doesn't really take that much to get those. So and I just started reading and it's just that. Just short films that get like, I don't know, fucking um, Quincy, Massachusetts Film Festival. You know, that type of thing where it's just like a small town and it's like this one won. And that's the credit. But it's also short films. So it's not like you you, you can sell it by saying, yeah, I've, I've made eight short films here. Give me money to make another one. Like that, it, it kind of, you know, blew my mind that um, she's still using the same type of, uh, I guess, money-making thing for, for her short film that we were doing while we were at film school. Because that to me, I, I, I thought it was dead. Like I thought that no one was doing that anymore. Also, I don't know, but who really watches short films? Nobody. Unless, listen, unless you know somebody who's on the Vimeo staff who can give you a staff pick badge and they'll put that out right. to all the different filmmakers, nobody's watching these. The real reason why people are making short films and then submitting them to these festivals is because you'll get a grant if you win or if you fit a certain model or if it's about something. You can get money that way. But otherwise, there's no purpose to it. Uh, I mean, I even think that... The whole idea of we're going to do a short film and then this is kind of like a preview of what the feature length film is going to be died around the time of Whiplash. I think Whiplash is really the last real, well, Thunder Road did that. But I mean, they use that model of, okay, we're going to get grants by doing these certain niche uh, films within these film festival um, categories. Didn't uh, Mama do that too? Like, uh, yeah. Del Toro saw the short and then decided to produce it or something. And That's right. The movie was worse than the short. <laughs> It was really not good compared to what the two-minute short was. Yeah, I'll give that movie credit, though, for having a really dark ending. I think Mama kills, like, the cuter of the two kids. It just flies oh, off yeah. and murders. So I, I like I liked that part. But, yeah, that movie was kind of whatever otherwise. Um, well, the story... It, it's when, when you try to build a story out of a two-minute short film that doesn't really show anything other than the, the creepy monster for, like, five seconds. Right. And then once you start trying to delve into a story that's just... It just feels forced, and it's just just show the creepy monster. That's what we're here to watch. But instead, it has to be some type of a heartfelt story about her children, and then this new mom that cares for her. It's just like it just doesn't yeah. The work. the story that you come up with it has to be retrofitted to whatever the aesthetics of the short were. 
because nothing is going to be that compelling uh, at two minutes or six minutes and then going to be stretched out to 90 minutes. What I was getting to was the only time, anyway, this goes back to the cell phone breaking. The only time I, I dropped my cell phone and broke it, I was completely wasted because we were at that stupid doofus fat DP's house in his apartment occupying his couch. And it was Mike Malkovich and I, while he was filming, and I, I don't know why he would ever agree to this. This is probably why he also hated the experience. Uh, we were just getting just blackout drunk on the couch, improvising. And it probably wasn't a good improv. Why were you um, drinking? We, I think we had like a, I think we had a bottle of vodka, and I can't okay. remember what brand of vodka. It was, it was something cheap though. Um, and plastic uh, bottle, yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't, know. I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, so he just had these two strangers on his couch getting wasted, just completely plastered, and probably not even him? coming up <laughs> for the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, not not for his entertainment. It's not like a stage play we're putting on in his home. <laughs> He just recording for his own yeah for his own videos no home videos yeah yeah that sounds like yeah i don't know i, I don't think i would be okay with <laughs> no I mean, who would be it's not very i mean I, I i've been i've been drunk not, maybe not on this podcast but i've been drunk in other podcasts but not for something that's supposed to be a part of something bigger you know like that just seems like a like a, a lot of editing <laughs> from saying things that I'm not supposed to be saying. Right. The thing that you learn about that, because I've tried that a couple of times early on, both with podcasting and with like filmmaking is it's never as good as what you're thinking it's going to be. What's very funny in yeah. the moment, usually ain't funny on film. Uh, and for a podcast, I remember we were, we were going to do a, Kenny and I were going to do a podcast on shrooms and uh, your reaction on shrooms is usually you're going to go inside yourself. You're not going to be very uh, chatty. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a quiet. It was, I've seen, there's audio that exists of me being just like, shh, someone's going to hear. Shh, <laughs> shh, shh. Just 24-year-old men in a basement, just very paranoid that someone's going to walk in at any moment. There's a couple of uh, Joey Diaz's old podcast that he did with Ari, and Ari would take mushrooms. And the whole podcast is just Ari like this, just <laughs> looking around, just like, yeah, and just saying very little while everyone else talks and, and, and on camera, he's just looking around. That That's not a drug that, I mean, what would be a perfect drug for, that would make you, I mean, Coke, I guess, make you talk, right? Maybe Molly, yeah. you're rubbing your nipples as you're, <laughs> as you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't, mushrooms doesn't sound like, or at least from my personal experience, uh, I don't think I, I, I was alone, but. I don't think I spoke much. Like a lot of it is internal, like you said. So, right. I mean, I, w I would like to listen to it. Number one, because uh, your voice was much higher. Back oh, in those yeah, days. It was, just, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> just by remembering uh, like an early uh, forays into podcasting from what, eight years ago? Ten, yeah, it's about nine that. Nine years ago? It was, it was about eight or nine years ago. Uh, yeah, not, not nine years ago. Actually, coming up on nine years now. I think we started we 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 started doing like podcasts that just never got released in 2012, and then in 2013 that's when we started doing something uh, regularly. When it was uh, Kenny and I, and I know we had you on as a guest a few times. Was shooting it right? Yeah. So if, you, if if I've listened back to episodes <laughs> where we're harassing Gary and trying to put words in his mouth and get him upset about whether or not he thinks 9/11 was a conspiracy, he got very viscerally <laughs> angry. Now it turned out. As as I'm and I've I've always go to Gary to try and like do something bad. Um, as it turned out, when we were on the phone with him and trying to get him to antagonize him, you know, try and get him to say certain things, uh, he was driving to the hospital because his mom was sick and had a oh had a health scare. So, but he, he listen, at any just moment he can just... hang up the phone, and he didn't hang yeah. up the phone, so it's on him ultimately. She's fine ish just nowadays. Friendship, friendship stuff. You know, just exactly. Videos. Yeah, yeah. So well, now um, we do that with Kenny on All Boys. Yeah, so yeah, listen yes. to All Boys. No, Kenny's our Gary. Kenny <laughs> does Kenny not. Yeah, Kenny does not. <laughs> but I, Kenny just it, it's over his head. He he doesn't play along at all. He takes everything seriously. So whenever you make a joke, he's like, "Well, no, that's not actually how it he is." He does the Joe Rogan thing. Kenny, Joe, if you make a joke to Joe <laughs> Rogan, he will interpret it literally and forget yeah. that he's a comedian because he's just in caveman mode he's like maybe i might have to kill in a second i don't know yet right yeah little 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 joe rogan but um i was thinking about that earlier how um the our early attempts at creating 
this type of thing when we had no idea what we were doing or even what we were going to talk about. And then you, you would just have a random list of Tumblr people as guests. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. You would have like a like an end of a year or something like that uh, podcast. And it would just be a random list of like six, seven people that you would talk to on Tumblr. Uh, and yeah, without having any idea of how to do any of it. Uh, same with the, with the shorts. Like how many failed attempts at making something did you have before even comfort system came along you know well i remember there was there was that one and then there was another one that i think you did post that one um that was like a visual podcast or like a visual uh there was a story of a podcaster or something right oh yeah 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 yeah. so i mean you want to go really back real far back to the beginning uh the first thing that i ever shot like I was, I was listening to a podcast called the Double Feature Podcast. Uh, one of the one of the guys I was kind of friendly with, not really friends with, Michael Kester, and then the other guy's name was uh, Eric Thirteen, and they were that was a pretty good show. It was during the early days of podcasting, so they had like a market carved out where they would pair up two movies that probably you we wouldn't really think would go together, and then loop it loop it in and have it make sense in their commentary. I remember I would stay up until like three or four in the morning listening to this show and uh, I didn't have any real cameras. I had a Sony bloggy, which is literally just like a, it can eat up maybe I think a gigabyte of video. Uh, I don't know. Around 2011, there was a contest right after, I think Grindhouse came out in 2010 or so, or maybe tw- uh, 2009. They did the movie Hobo with a Shotgun which won the Grindhouse trailer contest and it got the the trailer featured in Canada when Grindhouse was released. Then Hobo with a Shotgun gets financing, so this also ties into the whole short film thing and it resulting in, in feature-length movies being made. They made it as a feature film with Rutger Hauer, uh, Rob Wells of Trailer Park Boys, and a couple of other people, and they held a contest. So you could make your own trailer and they would throw that on the blu-ray uh so i was like all right well i'll give this a shot and then kenny and another friend of ours and myself wound up doing that <clears throat> and uh it became a thing called kill count and kill count is probably literally just like mass state lottery but mass state lottery is like 4.0 it's just in a very evolved version of that it's just me running around with a gun you know and uh that was the first thing did not win got like I think something like a thousand views on YouTube. Maybe one of the first things I uploaded did a bunch of Dolan duck short films or whatever with with Kenny. And he would do the voice of Gooby and I do the voice of Dolan. Those were really pop. That was actually crazy popular for a period of time. Really early. Yeah. I remember that. I barely remember those. Yeah. Uh, Did you make a, uh, an angry video about not winning like Chris Chan did with that contest? No, no, I didn't. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't seen that. <laughs> he what lost a parappa. He lost a parappa. The rapper. Uh, there was a contest about like dancing. I don't know if you remember parappa the rapper. It's a, a, a I video do. game. Nintendo sixty four. They, they, they dance, yeah. Uh, and um, he lost to like a child, like a, a child won the contest, and then he just made a video very angry, saying that he was a better dancing than the kid, better dancer than the kid, and just you know Chris Chen shit. Yeah, uh, but um. Yeah, I just I don't know. Uh, it's it's funny to see because I'm I mean I'm not saying that what we're doing now now it's is incredible or amazing or anything like that. we we haven't won anything or even put it out. But it's funny to look back and just like how all of this shit started because I feel like with with this podcast at least we have what 115, 20 episodes now something like that, right? Um, I think this might be episode one thirty seven. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, we've had a couple of attempts at, at doing something like this that didn't really go great because of the mostly a subject matter, I think. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was just thinking about those days when I was in film school because of this short film and just uh, how uh, I started not feeling so bad about my career after seeing what other people are doing with it. You know, like I have a friend that was able to get into the Marvel uh, uh factory machine i guess that she's not entirely happy about but she has a consistent job with every marvel movie that comes out there so that's cool for her but besides that the only people that are actually making anything were just rich kids that already had money to 
do the things that they wanted to do and just needed like a, a little bit of uh, uh, education and a film, I guess, to do that. So right. uh, I don't know. It, it, it made me feel good. The, the fact that I'm still not tr- begging for money so that I can make a short film that no one's going to watch so that I can send it to a festival that no one's going to attend, uh, you know, uh, and, and well, it just made me think of, you know, failed projects that you have before. I think you also have to put into question whether or not, because um, I think at a certain point, being able to work on if you're working on the original Iron Man, you're working on Iron Man two, Hulk, any of those early projects, and this isn't really related to what you're discussing, but I think it's tangentially mm-hmm. connected to that. That's an impressive thing. But I think because the stock of what movies are today has become so low that the idea of like even working on those, you might as well just be working at like the Ford plant. You know, I, I don't know if there's that yeah. kind of luster to it. Like, hey, we're on a film set. We're working for, for Disney. We're working for Fox or, I mean, whatever company nowadays. Um, I don't know if it's that interesting or impressive of a thing as, as creating something of your own. Um, well, let, let me tell you what it is, because I did work there for a couple of days. Yeah, I know. I, I remember that. I remember you, you, you telling us the news that you got work on a big movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't see any of the stars. You work with tiny Irish men that wear those ball suits. Oh, right. Uh, and, yeah. and, and they do all the jumps and everything. They have like the, well, the one that I worked on was, I think I signed a contract where I was not supposed to talk about this, but it's been a while. So fuck it. I'm not going to do anything. But um, they have PVC weapons with the balls on them. And they just have tiny Irish men just flipping around and jumping around. And that's all the action that you see on those movies is little Irishmen doing it that none of the actors are there. And then we would just see them because they, they did have the, uh, the Avengers mansion set there um, that uh, I walked in illegally. wasn't supposed to, but I did. I was just like, fuck it at first. I mean, I'm going to be here for two days. So why not? Uh, and then uh, there was a very pregnant Scarlett Johansson. Uh, and then everyone else just was driven in golf carts. We barely even say hello to anyone. It's just like, you have zero contact with them at all. Uh, she had contact with uh, what's the, the the guy that did Ultron, that creepy guy from uh, uh, James Spader. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. he was there for 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 that uh, for like the motion capture and whatnot. But everyone else was just little agile Irishmen uh, doing all the stunts. And my job was pretty much just make sure that the action was on camera. Like it it took zero skill it took zero any type of anything i just had to move the camera to make sure that i got the movement and that's it uh and i she started like that she i I think she's uh directed some second unit stuff now so that's cool that she's like going up the the, uh the uh yes scale but at the same time is uh i don't know uh like you said it's like factory filmmaking right it's very um you're one of the 3000 credits at the end of the movie. So I don't know how fulfilling that is. Right. She's told me that she, she, because she was an actress and she's told me that she wants to quit so that she can act, but I don't know. She's like 30 now. So I'm like, I don't know if that's gonna, (laughs) you know, I I don't, I don't know. That's what I told her. I was like, just stay there. Like if you're already there, like do your own shit. Like I I think she, what are you going to play mom? What are you going to play? Auntie? Exactly. Exactly. You have to be really hot if you're older than 30. Uh, and if you're not, if you're just like, she's not ugly, but she like wouldn't be able to play like a Florence Pugh uh, role or anything. Like right. That, you know? Yeah. So you get weeded like, out quick if you're a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I was just like, just stay there for as long as you can make enough money and then just make your own films. And I think she's doing that now, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I started feeling okay about, because a lot of the time, you know, you go to film school, you don't do anything with your, title for what six seven years which i've been out of uh film school uh it's kind of sometimes you get those especially when i was smoking weed that would be on my mind all the time but now like just like seeing what everyone else is doing like it's such a difficult um industry to get into if if you want to go uh the traditional way i guess uh where it made me feel good about like the point that we're at right now because we have like multiple things working at the same time and like going not stuck on the same well i don't know what the fuck we're gonna do anymore so that was cool i don't know it it, it made me think of of um, previous things that we've uh, attempted or ideas that we had that never turned into anything and, and how like we're actually doing something right there is a I, this is only visible to you and i and anyone who's obsessive and wants to do their research i guess but there is a through line of 
progress that is made from 2011 to 2013 or so to this point. And, um, you know, the thing that I at least tell myself is if you take a look at any of the famous actors' careers or famous directors' careers, nobody really starts popping off until their mid to late 30s. And that's not something that they tell you about. That's not the perception of uh, what the measure of success is in filmmaking. It's usually like, well, you got to figure it out by the time you're 25. Otherwise, you know, if you don't have something by then, good luck. You might as well go yeah. go work at the mill. Uh, but that's not the case. That's certainly not the case, especially if you're you're raising your money independently, which has been everything to this point. I mean, without exception. I mean, we've had a couple of private investors decide to invest in Mass Day Lottery. And then we had, obviously, uh, quite a few people decide to throw their money in for the reshoots that we're going to be doing in October, which is going to be very exciting. Uh, and I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get a boost if people like what they see, because I'm going to have to put out a little bit more between then and when I want to pick up what we're calling for right now, even though this is not not the title of the movie, The Kansas Project, which I'll say right now is going to be the two guys you're looking at right now, Ston from Sewer City TV and then I'm not going to say this other person just yet, not yet. because yeah. I want to get this in writing first. But this person mm -hmm. said they're down for it. Uh, a person who's more famous than any of the three of us. So that'll be figured out. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. I think that could be really exciting. Um, I don't feel pessimistic about anything that's been, even though, you know, we've had these conversations before where it's like, fuck, we just burned a year. We just wasted a yeah. year sitting around doing live streams for X amount of people, uh, nothing's building or generating in the way that we wanted to specifically. There's clearly a taste for something that's subversive and different with a professional sheen that we can offer right now. And that's obviously the goal with these films that we're going to be working on and also some smaller projects that we've got uh, lined up and we're, we're ready to shoot also in October. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't get hung up on the idea of like, wow, somebody's working on this movie or someone's working on that oh, for that production right. company anymore. Uh, also, because, you know, especially if you work around here in New York, all you have to do is show up a lot of the time. You don't have to be in the union. You don't have to have any sort of expertise, which connects back to what you were saying. That it's a very simple thing. You're just moving one thing left to right. Right. So you, you pick up the skills probably within a day or two, a couple of days. Uh, more than anything else, what people need is just other people taking care of busy work. They got to send you off to Best Buy. They got to send you off to Home Depot, go get a ladder and um, just take care of whatever information you have in front of you so they don't have to. So the other people having just a smoother time getting this movie done. Um, you can very easily and quickly work your way up just doing that. So, I mean, obviously this is probably not the case for, for the guy who lives in Iowa and has like nothing around him. It's like all of his friends are just working in retail maybe, or maybe he's like a dog sitter and that's the coolest job in town. I don't know. Uh, that might be like illustrious or there might be some kind of spectacle to that, but really anybody can hop into that position without any sort of experience and then build something from that. So I, I don't put any value on that as much as I do uh, creating something of your own with your own money, clearly, because that's what we've been doing this entire time. We haven't even attempted anything, anything but that. Well, maybe some of us have, but who knows? Also, I feel that um, because I, I've, been, I've had projects rejected and, and failed before they even get anywhere. Uh, but I feel like that helps you build uh, a little bit of character and a little bit of, uh, I don't know, puts your feet on the ground when it comes to uh, having an idea of what this business or industry is, uh, where you're not so doe-eyed and like, uh, you know, impressed by anyone that's just able to flash a little bit of anything in front of your face. Uh, because, uh, well, like, like I said, like, it's been, what, six, seven years since I graduated and producers that I wrote things for um, that they liked and then pretty much just told me like, well, this is good. Uh, go try to sell it. You know, that what they were supposed to do. Um, that helped me realize that, yeah, if you want to do something for yourself, like you have to do it yourself and not for anyone else and just try to find an audience somehow with it uh, instead of just trying to do uh, things that other people like that you might not be completely comfortable with. Uh, and also the, you know, the rejection always makes you stronger, I think. Uh, well, depends on your personality. Like, I feel like you could either crumble and just quit and give up or 
try to learn from it and just build like a little bit of a backbone and a little bit of like, okay, well, this is how things work, I guess. And uh, I'm sure it's happened to you where you wanted to do things and it, it hasn't worked out like, well, like you mentioned that first, your first feature or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, and I feel like that's prepared or at least me, I'm, I'm sure you too, to uh, just try to work harder on the things that we're doing now, because we know that even though our audience might not be huge online yet, uh, we do have a group of people that follow us because they like the things that we do. Uh, so it's more of like, instead of trying to do things to get in somewhere or or to appeal to a, a type of base or a type of audience, we're just trying to do as good as we can our stuff so that, you know, uh, if someone likes it, then great. But if not, then we have our little base there. And if we make enough money to make the next thing, that's the goal. Like we're not something that I've mentioned to my friends a lot that asked me about like when the movie's coming out uh it's like like I'm not expecting us to make millions with this movie right I just want us to make enough money where we can just focus 100% on projects like this instead of me having to work a regular job and you having to do like extra work outside of this thing so that you know we can make income uh, so, and I feel like we're at a, a, a pretty good spot when it comes to that, or at least I'm very hopeful uh, about being able to accomplish that. Uh, but it's also a, a bit of a, you know, putting your feet on the ground type of thing where I feel like if you don't get those rejections or those difficult moments of just putting down your hard work that you think is going to get you somewhere, uh, you don't build that backbone and it doesn't really you don't lose that that doe-eye thing of like everything is great and everything is going to work out always, you know? That, exactly. That I don't know if that makes any sense. No, no, no. <laughs> I think it, I think it completely makes sense that you have to be like callous to failure. Otherwise you're going to try and scramble and then eventually you're going to come to a complete and utter failure. You're going to be hitting a wall because you didn't stick to one path or uh, rather, you, you you know, you didn't build your skills particularly uh, in something that's going to be self-sufficient. I think a lot of people either start in, okay, well, I'm going to socially persevere through this industry. And then when that doesn't work out, they hop into the, all right, well, I'm going to do independent. And that's that's the absolutely the healthier way to do that. Some people, you know, um, observing other comedy troops, uh, there are people who get involved and then wind up going off and doing corporate things after a while, I guess, when things do not go to their liking. They go work for cruise ships and shoot whatever it is they do whenever people take a trip, you know, uh, dance dance parties and whatnot on board. Hey, remember this? And then they go sell it on a DVD, and that's their job. And they probably make very good money. It's a very comfortable living. But um, that's that's not what I'm in this for. And I know that's not what you're in this for or Jerry uh, or well, anybody first of else. All, so. uh, I would be terrified of that. I hate the ocean. I mean, I love the ocean as long as I'm not in it. So I would just be excited. Have you ever been on a cruise? No, no. I've been on a boat and I've been scuba diving and it was terrifying. Even that's all right. That's, that's a little different. You're in the middle of the ocean. You're in dark waters. You got fish swimming around you. That's disturbing stuff. That's hor- yeah. horrifying. Um, I've been on a cruise one time. And I think I gained like 11 pounds during that. I was 20 years <laughs> old got my passport they would do like chocolate parties at midnight but it wouldn't even be like good chocolate it'd be chocolate is like mixed with water horrible stuff um but that was a good time i wound up very sunburnt i was wearing a white t-shirt i was just bread faced tomato faced <laughs> down in florida for the first time in the bahamas for the first time so i'm like all right my regular sunscreen my boston sunscreen is going to be good enough nah you know what i had i had an l burned into my chest because i fell asleep on the beach for like 18 minutes Big mistake. Great. Miserable yeah. half the trip. You anyway. Tits by the end of it because you get a bunch of weight. <laughs> <laughs> and just to, just to match everyone, every other man in that cruise ship. Too. Yeah, it's just, seriously. It's, it's gross, disgusting people that go on cruise. Let's be real. Uh, yeah. So, so, no, yeah, it was. But, but I, I think, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm too afraid of the ocean where I don't think I would be able to turn unless I'm just wasted the whole time. Because well, I that's won't another be able thing to... too. Yeah, everybody's getting drunk constantly around the clock, so it doesn't. I mean, people aren't thinking straight. They're getting fat. They're getting wasted. That that's really the mo of it. They're probably meeting people, but a lot of the. I mean, who are you meeting on a cruise? You could you're single. You're taking a cruise. You don't have yeah. a family. That's a weird thing to do. Yeah. Also, when I drink, I shit a lot. So I don't <laughs> think that would work right on the cruise. I don't know yeah. how their toilets work. See, uh, this is something that I was talking to my dad the other day because. Uh, 
I someone mentioned camping and I was like, well, I, I'd like to go camping as long as there's a toilet. Like that's the, my first thought immediately, because I know that every morning I'm going to need to shit. And if there's not a toilet and I'm just going to have to go shit next to a tree, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm I'm I need comfort. I need right, I need right. a little bit of a cushion where I'm sitting. Um, I remember when I went to Japan a couple of years ago, like seven years ago, um, I went to a temple and I really needed to shit. But then I walked into the bathrooms and it's just a hole in the ground that you were supposed to like get like get down and just shit like that at holding your right. weight on your legs. I'm a fat man. I can't hold <laughs> my weight on my legs. And also the stalls had no door. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'll just hold it. And I just had to hold this shit. So I always like whenever I go, I always think of that. The, my first thought is always like, all right, well, where will I shit and where will I sleep? And then as soon as that's sorted, great. I don't know how that works in cruises. I'm sure they have like their their water or whatever, but that's, uh, I don't know, drinking all day and then shitting all morning and then pretending that I'm not in, in the middle of the ocean, terrified. That that sounds like a bad time for me. I'm, I'm good. Things like that don't really make all that much sense anyway, because you're what you're supposed to like the whole their their parties and whatnot at one o'clock in the morning. And then they'll be like, well, we're we're stopping off here in the Bahamas at 7 a.m. So you got to be up bright and early. And it's like, what kind of person endures that where you're just eating and, and drinking and I guess shitting and pissing yourself, just getting completely obliterated. And then you have to wake up at 7 a.m. like a normal person and go out and explore whatever sun? impoverished town. Yeah, get, get right yeah. in the sun. <laughs> go drink some yeah, no, salt water sounds... by mistake. Just just let that into your pores. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds like a great time. Taking it. Get taken advantage by the locals that overcharge you for literally anything that you do. That's right. Uh, and depend depending on which country you go to, there's also just children asking for money. I, I know because that happens here. <laughs> depending on where you go in Costa Rica, <laughs> yeah, nobody's, nobody's taking just a, a random, there. Yeah, just a random child. Hey, give me money, and if you don't, then my five friends with knives are going to come and, and take it from you. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know. The the cruise life is definitely not for me. Uh, so I, I couldn't imagine doing that even if it's like good living same with uh whenever there's stand-up comedians that go on cruises that i don't know it, it sounds very depressing because uh like you said being a single man that goes in a cruise is weird uh if you have a job i guess it makes it a little less weird but then you're just in a boat with a bunch of gross married couples uh and i'm assuming children from like their gross children I, I don't know that nothing about that is appealing even if you were you know paying me a decent amount of money and uh i don't know where you went but um i'm i'm, I'm not great when it comes to improvising so i'll just sit here quietly until i come back are you going for a sip i thought you were going to cover for me jesus christ <laughs> taking taking <laughs> <I> indulgences <did. laughs> while while we're recording this is unbelievable um so anyway i th i think what you were ultimately getting at was you know, if you want to get into filmmaking and you're like a 37 year old woman, it's kind of pointless. You know, you dry it out. Go focus on having kids or something before your ovaries yeah, be expire. A, be a writer, like a blogger or whatever. That's, Go write for, for Fleabag or something. That's what your talent's going to be now, childless woman. Don't fucking go after you say that, you piece of shit. <laughs> what, what's that? I don't know. It was uh, it's a it's a show on Amazon Prime or something. That that Phoebe Bridge Waller woman who's doing the new James Bond is like a it girl right now. So that's what she did. Wait, that was her series. They gave James Bond to a woman. Why? Don't know. I don't know. It's just the 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 new age progressives handling showbiz. And this is also. I mean, obviously, this is clearly. If there's a if there's a recurring theme to this pro program, it's that uh, Hollywood movies and uh, everything that you loved about that has been co-opted. So art art comes second to that. But um, just to get back to what we were talking about, yes, I, I think there's uh, something to be said about uh, those who choose to stick to one path i think that's what you were getting on before are you making a little oatmeal is that what's happening right now <laughs> you're, making, you're making your uh, sugar water that's right i love to have a good big uh sugar water before i go to bed like edgar from men in black <laughs> keeps my keeps my uh blood blood sugar levels even you know what do you think of hobo with a shotgun now that you mentioned it because i thought it was a big piece of shit when it came out 
when I saw it. I don't remember much of it, but I just remember not enjoying any, anything about it. Just like the style, I guess. I was like, okay, this looks kind of cool. But besides that, I, I didn't really care for it. You know what? I rewatched that recently and I did not mind it that much. There's definitely, um, it's not great and it's not fun in the same way that at least Death Proof is in Grindhouse. I'm not a big fan of Planet Terror. But I actually, you know, I think I like Hobo with a Shotgun more than Planet Terror because Rutger Hauer is playing it pretty sincere. And uh, I do like some of the um, some of the, the visual choices, I guess. Um, the comedy is kind of whatever. But uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't I don't you know, I think I, I maybe was half disappointed with it when it came out because it's just not that good. It had a lot of hype, I remember. I don't know if it was from... Were you living in Canada at the time? Yeah, I think That's why. That's why there was was no hype here. It was just a weird film that was released through Magnet, which was kind of like the original uh, A24 for distribution. I know Beyond the Black Rainbow came out through the Magnet label. Uh, That would be like a good Blu-ray company to um, to find some odd, interesting, usually horror films. Yeah, horror. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. But no, there, Uh, there there was no hype otherwise. I mean... It, it, there was a lot of uh, internet talk about it and excitement in that regard, but I mean, I wouldn't even say it was on the blip of any American moviegoer's mind when it came out. All right. What what is okay? So here here's something I do want to know is like what is the perception of entertainment in Canada as far as I guess a lot of the hallmarks that have transcended over here? Like what I mean, how how is like something like Trailer Park Boys viewed? Is that like the Cosby Show in Canada? You're asking the wrong person because I had really shit taste when I was living. Like my thing when I was living in Canada was Rob Schneider movies. Jesus Christ. Yeah. (laughs) So I I don't, well, it was like, because uh, here uh, we barely, we had like video stores, but uh, to rent movies, but um, the internet was very, er very new, very early. So you, you didn't have any type of reviews or anything. I don't even know if IMDb was a thing yet. Uh, so I would just watch whatever cover was cool. And most of the time it was a piece of shit movie, right? Right. Uh, so when I moved to Canada, I would just go into the Blockbuster $5 bin, like two for $5 or whatever, and just, just get those comedies. And my, the type of comedy that I enjoyed at the time was Opie and Anthony, you know, uh, Rob Schneider, Adam Sandler type of thing. So I, I didn't really care. By the way, more, uh, you want to talk about squeaky voices. If you ever go back and listen to like 2006 Opie and Anthony and Opie's voice or Jim's voice, like the only person whose voice is not completely high pitched for whatever reason is Anthony's. Probably because he drinks so much. But uh, yeah, yeah, continue. Well, because he's been 50 for like 30 years too. He was the oldest one too. So right. He was just an old man. Somehow he um, looks younger now at like 60 years old because his face is all pockmarked but filled out than he did yeah. when he was like 45 with that poodle poodle head um Ugh. but yeah i had a i had a roommate that really liked anime and monster movies and that's how we started getting into like godzilla and all those old japanese movies we had a which sounds kind of very gay now uh but we had a tuesday where our friends would get together and just watch monster movies on tuesday so that was kind of like my uh, introduction to all those old kaiju monster old movie Japanese. tuesday you would just get around with a yeah. bunch of adult friends and say hey it's monster mm-hmm. movie tuesday come to my apartment yeah. we're gonna watch uh little monsters with fred savage and <laughs> we'll get we'll get some popcorn and watch freaked and uh and uh yeah a group of like me and and three guys that were nerdier than me if you can believe that uh in my early 20s so uh I wasn't very aware of what was happening in Canada when it comes to to films that people like. I know that Quarter Gas was huge, which is a very Canadian show. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it, it's like... The name's familiar to me, but I, I don't know anything about it. it it's uh, very safe, very sanitized, very... Uh, like ABC type of comedy, you know? Uh, so I'm like imagining Canada. it's uh, it's eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. Not as funny. Oh, <laughs> Less funny than that. Yeah. Like okay. just no, no edginess at all. Uh, it's, it's about a small time, uh, a small town corner gas store or shop. And uh, there's a cop. That's a woman. And there's a wacky guy. And, and our main character, it's a very round guy. Uh, his name is Brent Butt. 
He's a stand-up comedian from Canada. He's like a, a Jim Gaffigan, if, if Jim Gaffigan wasn't funny, uh, because it's that type of very clean comedy. Uh, uh. And I just remember seeing billboards for it all uh, everywhere. And I, was, and I couldn't understand why anyone liked that. Because I was into, you know, gross out, Rob Snyder, Nick Swartzen comedy. Uh, but besides that, I don't even remember uh, um, Trailer Park Boys being huge. Like, I'm sure it was, but I, I don't know if that show was even around in 2011, 2010, when I was there. You know, I think it might have ended at that point. I know that the history of that is it started around like 2002, 2003, and they did a couple of movies in about six or seven seasons. And then the guy who's the writer and director of it was like, well that's it. I'm not interested anymore. And then the three guys were like, well, hold on a second. Uh, we can't really play anything else. What the fuck are we supposed to do? We got, we got bills to cover here. Uh, I think they bought the rights off him and they did a couple of seasons after that. And it's ongoing at this point. It's still going. Yeah. Well here, I mean, they had a, they have a Netflix deal, so they're making real money with it. Uh, but they tried to change the show up because one of the guys died. Um, one of the main dudes, who's like 80 years old or something like that. So they're like, all right, well, we won't even set it in the trailer park anymore. It'll just be in prison. And that's, that's honestly not bad. I watched it. They have an app where it was like a buck 99 a month and you get a bunch of shit. And it's pretty, it's pretty good uh, considering that. But um, yeah, Netflix was not interested, I guess, in re-upping if they weren't doing it and not skipping out on costs. So it's a, it's an oh, ongoing thing. You know, it was huge uh, kids in the hall. That was huge. Oh, dude, I just, I just started watching Kids in the Hall because I, I – why did I do that? Uh, I took a picture of myself with like a jacket on and some glasses, and I was like, damn, I remind me of somebody. It was a Kids in the Hall sketch where it was uh, he's hip, he's cool, he's 45. Oh, yeah. yeah I was like, yeah, fuck, yeah. I'm old. Why am I taking a selfie right now? I'm just following Cisco, his lead. <laughs> that show is great. It still holds up. I mean, obviously, not, not all of the sketches are a hit, but – a lot of them are just so weird and so just weird, silly comedy that still like the bird lady. I don't know if you've ever seen the bird lady. One, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm just a bird lady that that's trying to date. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know that that was huge. That that was one of the, the first uh, exposure I had to sketch comedy uh, that and like a li- in living color that was in reruns there on that comedy network. The, which I think like the, I, I started with because I remember when we when I, when my family had moved when I was young to Quincy from Boston, the cable package for whatever reason was different because you know you move to different sections of uh, the state and then all of a sudden you can get like Comcast or you get AT and T or you get Time whatever it might be the cable cable operator is a little bit different. And I remember we got Comedy Central which we did not have in Boston, and so my diet for the summer always was like. 90s SNL followed by a Kids in the Hall episode. So hold on, we got Anthony Cisco entered the waiting room. I didn't even send him an invite. Oh. He just knows it. If you got like 30 to 50 minutes left in you, we'll just cut these up into two episodes. All right. We'll play it by ear. How about that? All right. But anyway, to what I was saying before. So I grew up with like Kids in the Hall when I was like 10, 11 years old. Uh, and I went through like all the episodes and I just revisited um, some sketches individually on YouTube recently. It's still very funny in my opinion, but yeah. that's, that's of course what I grew up with. So a lot of the jokes and a lot of the scenarios that they put themselves in, like you wouldn't even think of is very creative. And uh, like one of the most famous ones, the guy crushes people's heads. Yeah. He's yeah. Yeah. Autistic guy that likes to crush people's heads. Yeah. Uh, like that shit, I, like it, I find it re- really inspiring that they were able to become successful and well legends in Canada by just coming up with whatever silly idea they could think of and just go through with it, uh, which you don't really see that anymore. Whenever, whenever you see a troupe that's trying to do comedy like that, uh, it usually gets canceled. Like uh, uh, World Peace, right? World Peace was kind of similar like that, where they would just grab a very stupid silly concept and just go with it and uh yeah they didn't really last long because of the internet no and honestly if i mean there's a lot of that that still is fire right now i have the uncut version of season one that was leaked by somebody probably probably sam himself uh and it's very funny stuff still and it is even more relevant now under like the new like neoliberal corporate Biden administration. Um, 
But maybe we can get into that with Anthony Cisco for the second half of this episode. I don't know. Uh, anyway, th- th- that's been movies for this week. We just did an hour. We're doing shorter episodes lately. We did an hour and one minute with Egg, Egg, Egg White, Eggy. We did uh, an hour and I think like four minutes with uh, Frank Austin on The Weatherman and the Family Man. And this is one hour and 40 seconds on filmmaking. And I think the theme of this episode is going to be um, perseverance in the film industry. <laughs> Right, that's that's not a very great. <laughs> I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you have a better title. We'll figure out something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I guess that works. I just I, I just don't know if perseverance is a word that people search for <laughs> when it comes to. A- no, I can't imagine looking up a podcast with the keyword perseverance in mind. Well, un- so unless unless you you're into uh, what's his name that uh, Percy Jackson guy? and the and no, the five C's. No, no, what's the inspiring guy that I sent you guys on the group the other day? Tony uh, Robbins. That just, well, it's sort of like that. Yeah, but little. What's his fucking name? Tony the Black Midget from Bad Santa. I don't know his last yes. name. Yes. Yeah, that one where he just posts things on Instagram being like, just believe in yourself and you'll get there. And he's a fucking zillionaire uh, because people go to listen to him speak and say those exact same things, but to a crowd of thousands. And it's just, Americans are sad people. That, that must <laughs> be the best thing. If you're an egomaniac, yeah. if you're just a pure narcissist, people pay you 60 bucks a ticket to go hear you talk. I mean, that must be the appeal of the stand-up comedian, right? It must be something similar to the motivational speaker. But the motivational speaker, I think, fully believes in his power uh, to worse. to assert himself. Yeah, there's less talent involved with it, at probably. Least, yeah, this is stand-up has to be funny to grab the audience or at least have something appealing about their jokes, like Nanette, uh, to uh, to grab. Yeah, you want to talk about a, you're just we're talking about a fuckable woman, Nanette. Mm, that's a man. Good, good, uh, thick, if, thick hips. I love a good <laughs> pair of good, thick hips on a woman. You love a good pog, <laughs> uh, Australian pog. Uh, Man, but is a when pog. it's just, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> but uh, if it's just a, a little man that's in front of you, just being like, he's just stick with it just stick with whatever you're doing just you'll get there for three hours it's like why are you paying for this like i but again americans are very sad insecure people exactly it's the same thing as why why the motivational speaker memes go around you know where it's like a quote that's assigned to tom hardy that he never said and it doesn't even say tom hardy at the bottom it says (laughs) finance domination or something you know, that's the, that's the kind of thing. Mindset, yeah. Yes, that's right. That's the kind of thing that people need in their feeds. So anyway, that's been Movies for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah.